Iowa Bam fam, and welcome back to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast, a pop culture Bella <laughs> cast. Uh, we're back, boys. We we're so back. Feels good. Mm-hmm. New pod studio, mm-hmm. kind of new yeah. setup, new equipment, new ring on your finger. Yes, oh! I got married. Part of the reason why. Uh, we haven't put out a podcast in like a month. Mm-hmm. Also, just holiday season, uh, you know, life happens. But hey, we're back in your feeds, back on the YouTubes, bottle of champagne, popping it open, celebrating, suddenly being at the end of the year. Yeah. Mm. What happened? Look it's at that. It's crazy. Look at us go. And you may, the, the people watching, tuning in may notice. We bought some mics. We we did. Ernest, I the listeners will also notice Ernest is really struggling to get this bottle of champagne open. Um he's waiting really, for some clean air. Yeah, he wants he wants to get the sound effect. Ah, there we go. Wow. Also, uh, yeah, no. Uh new mics, high fidelity, higher fidelity. New new mixing board with mm-hmm. a couple of fun <laughs> new features. Yeah, Should I bust you'll, it open no, you'll just in minute two? No. You'll just have to wait to see what <laughs> hey, this yeah. soundboard is. Hey, <laughs> and there are actually two pitas. I forgot. Uh, I should have loaded up the the alternate to have both of them. Hey, um, hey, Ernest, who's your favorite character in the Hunger Games? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's first day on the soundboard. We're, we're gonna be rusty. Wait, say it again. Him up. Say it again. <laughs> hey, who's your? Uh, what's your favorite performance by Josh Hutcherson? You gotta get. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. All right, I'm pouring the champagne. We're gonna figure that out. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Great job on the champagne um, that you picked out here. Normally, I hate champagne. It's uh, good quality. I now realize that the only champagne I think I've ever had in my life is like three dollar bottle of Cooks. Uh, yeah, it's not what you want. This is not that. Uh, at your wedding, I was like, wait, do I like champagne? And I've just been drinking Cheers, boys. this whole time. Cheers. Salute me, married man. Uh, Ernie, can you? Can you hit me with a? Can, can you hit me with a little, a little, a little? No, no, that's not okay. That's not what I was, there we go. Yeah, there we go. He said it. He said it. <laughs> Applause all around. The the wedding was lovely. Not, how did you not reload preload my wife on there? Uh, I, I we're gonna need a whole Borat <laughs> soundboard. Do you guys do you guys remember the Let's Jack Black? Let's live in two thousand six and never let go. You remember the Jack Black soundboard that was on the internet? Oh yeah, yeah. That you would use to like prank call like a McDonald's. It's like an iconic uh, iPhone or iPod Touch. Yeah, <laughs> it we yeah. I used to use that into the wee hours of the morning, calling McDonald's in like Alaska, <laughs> so they couldn't come. Get nice, me. that's epic. Because <laughs> otherwise, they'd call the police. Yeah, on you. talking about like Jack Black talking about like cock push-ups. <laughs> so today on the show, uh, it's a bit of a reset episode. Uh, we don't want to fully dive into. Uh, back into the Tom V. Tom series just yet because we are going to have to stop again for our big old Listomania retrospective best of 2023. It's already the end of the year. Like we're here. It's December, baby. All of a sudden. Um, so we are we are going to give you a little bit. We're, we're going to do a, the plan is to do one Hanks and one cruise before the end of the year. Um, just to just to tie a little little bow on it. But we wanted to to ease in back after this break with a little ketchup. So we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, uh, including poor things, the killer, uh, maestro, 
a lot, a Ma- lot of maestro, maestro, maestro. <laughs> a lot of new, new releases um, that we've had a chance to see. We've been, we've been watching a lot. Mm-hmm. We haven't been podding, but we've been watching. We've been, we've been watching the screeners. We've been getting mm-hmm. the boxes real quick. Um, Ernest, who are you? Um, did we introduce ourselves? Nope, we sure did. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so we bought a mic. I'm Ernest. Um, I listen. We're a little bit rusty. And I'm I'm rusty. I, I'm what's what's uh Mater? Is that the character's name in in Cars in the Tomater. Cars Yeah, Tomater. Uh, I'm Hunter. Um, what is mate? What? what is I was thinking because he's rusty. Oh. I, that was just the only thing I could think of that rust. You know, I always have Cars on the mind. I always mm. am like thinking of like how can I bring? I thought you the meant Pixar film Cars. I thought you meant Brad Pitt's character in um the Ocean's Eleven Ford movies. versus Ferrari. Oh, yeah. We got to shake off this rust, which is exactly what Alec Baldwin told his therapist. <laughs> I'm Drew. Did you did you see um, he made his uh, return to public life in SNL? It yeah. just sadly wandered around the <laughs> yeah. closing credits. It was very it was sad. Very pathetic. <laughs> That's Lauren. Just 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 helping him out. Um, speaking of screeners, you're talking. Mm-hmm. We've been watching. I want to I want to do a little show and tell. So I, yeah. I want to if if you're listening on the the audio feed, um, this is one to tune in for video because uh, I'm about to share a plethora of for your consideration award season mm-hmm. physical media mm-hmm. that we've been getting. I'm delivered. so Ernie, I'm so fucking jealous. Ernie of you. is making it like so very clear, like he can be bought. And yeah. please keep sending him shit and you will win awards. He's doing he's doing like concerned. a hashtag GRWM uh, video. You know what I mean? On TikTok. <laughs> but it's like, get ready with me to like be really annoying. <laughs> Listen, I uh, Ernie's laying it all out right now. Oh, my God. I am looking directly at a Leonard Bernstein quote. I can't I can't um, even fit it all in the box right now. So. <laughs> I'm just going to try to. So I got this today, this maestro maestro box. Uh, it comes with the screenplay. They're doing this this year. A yeah. lot of a lot of movies are just giving out the screenplay in a nice little print. A lot of screenplays. Yeah. Um, objecting the actual film on Blu-ray. This is gorgeous. This is the vinyl, the vinyl uh, original soundtrack music by Leonard Bernstein. Look at Bradley. It's uh, Bradley all the time, baby. Man. Mm-hmm. This it's is, Bradley season. This is stunning, man. It's a double LP. Mm. Oh, my God. That's the music of Leonard Bernstein. Sick. I've never seen uh, them do a vinyl before. But then again, Netflix generally goes all out for these things. And then this big old box. <laughs> oh, uh, great sound effect. <laughs> that was nice. Containing. Look, it, it says Maestro on the side Yeah, here. And it's a big old hardcover book oh my god some good art with wow it's just a bunch of like making of mm. it's it's nuts Absolutely that's nice nuts. beautifully done the more stuff they give you the definitely the more confident they are in their movie standing on its own two legs i that is very true especially <laughs> for uh netflix this is this is a, a maestro bag little tote bag that has come in in handy uh, I've already been using it in my daily life, you okay. know, storing some illicit substances, much like how Leonard Bernstein would like. It's um, uh, if I saw <laughs> someone just walking the streets with a maestro, with a maestro bag, bag, that's just like a rob me like, target, like yeah. begging to get robbed. 
Um, you know he's got crates in there. Right now, it, it is just carrying more more physical media. So this yeah. is the neon box set. So that's that is my favorite thing that we have gotten so far, including films a, such as Ferrari and How to Blow Up a Pipeline, and uh, including my favorite 2023 release, uh, Old Boy. Oh, have you guys watched <laughs> Ferrari yet? No, not yet. Not yet. I'm waiting to watch that in the theater. Oh. That that's a movie that I don't want to watch at home if at all possible. Look. The um oh I forgot to grab the the Nyad water bottle. Oh, I have been using my Nyad water bottle on a daily basis. It's a great quality water bottle. Also the Nyad uh towel blanket. Is that flag? What the I don't, fuck? I don't know what to do with that thing. Is that a flag? Yeah. No, what yeah, what's the material? It looks like a chamois. Well, it's about a swimmer, so I I believe it is like a like a wet like a wet mat. I was going to say, it's not like feel it. It is not the texture of a towel. It would immediately get soaking wet and you would never be able to get it dry. Yeah, no, nah, this is it's it's somewhere. Well, it's it's kind of chamois esque a little bit, but not like to wash your body with. Why, well, do you do you wash your body with your. Yeah, I get my towel. towel. I get my towel all soapy and then I scrub myself. How else do you fucking bathe yourself? Wait, um, am I gonna get my whole body wet? No. Uh, I'm also gross. I'm wearing the the May December shirt, mm -hmm, uh, a mm -hmm. film by Todd Haynes with our lady. Some beautiful artwork on the back. Mm -hmm. On the back, the uh, it also girls. comes with this Todd Haynes book. Yeah, that's like all about his the his career. Yep. Uh, got the Barbie screenplay. The the fucking the rich get richer. Mm -hmm. it, it you know what I mean? Stop. And then look this at is this, messed up. This big old stack of fucking <laughs> movies you know this is this is this is what whenever christopher we're nolan the ruling class when christopher nolan says that we are the custodians of cinema by uh by keeping physical media in our presence like this is what he's talking he about. means that he's you're like thanking us. he means you're basically a janitor yeah. <laughs> the the point of this is not and to that brag. we just have like a lot of shit it's just to show people like the the apparatus that exists around it's like an industry within the industry mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like imagine how much it costs to ship that maestro book to probably thousands of registered film critics all over the country yeah it's, it's um, heavy it's heavy it's yeah it's it's bribery uh <laughs> yeah. netflix does the best job at it i will say oh it's so um, much money yeah netflix the is Pinocchio really flooding money in last it. year i am wondering if we're gonna get something for chicken run too Oh, you're still waiting. By, yeah, we haven't gotten anything like big physical box set, but that seems like something that would have like a big artwork piece. Netflix is just like, please, Academy, please give us a big award. We just we just want some low gold men. That's all that we care about at this point. May, December screenplay, fair play, screenplay, fair play. The movie Bo is afraid you hurt my feelings like there's just so it's mm -hmm. so many. I uh, so many. I will say um. And this is this is me being greedy now at this point. A twenty four sends DVDs and not Blu rays. They all do. Not all of them. No, no, no. I think like only Netflix. Netflix I think Netflix is the only one that sends Blu rays. I think that Amazon might have sent some Blu rays. It's or maybe Focus. Uh, step it the fuck up, A twenty four. What the? Oh, like you're fucking cash strapped after you just won Best Picture. They're no. They're trying to get fucking old people to watch their movies. Well. Oh, people don't have a blues. damn Blu-ray. Blue That's a good point. Send a nice blue. This is this is also a really cool thing they gave us for Maestro. There's these these posters where on one side, it's it's 
the actual Leonard Bernstein. And then on the other side, it's Bradley Cooper. Wow. I can't see the difference. <laughs> look, look, it's they're, amazing. They're just identical. It's amazing. Guys, Rustin. Hey. Rustin, anybody? I'm loving this. This is this is speaking well it's toward my uh Coleman Domingo season. Baby. My my movie or what do we call it? The movie wager? Uh the film draft. The yeah. yeah. Film league. I got some Rustin stock. Look, look at those feet. Look at those Leonard He's, Bernstein feet. Do we see Bradley's in the movie? Can, are you embargoed from saying that? <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to say whether or not. I don't think we get a nice dogs. close up like this, but I do think they are visible. Does he wear prosthetic feet too? Oh, I wish like Hobbit. Yeah. Do you think that people actually watch every single screener that they're sent? I, they're supposed th to. You know, I, I'm kind of bummed out that there hasn't been much buzz or any positivity about dicks the musical because i listened to a podcast interview with those two guys who made it and they're really fucking funny you know i've heard some i mean there's a couple like comedy people who i follow on letterboxd who really like yeah it a lot. well it's so it's, it's, it's people who are very plugged in like the the dudes who made it are very plugged into like the like las culturistas like mm -hmm. like the gay brooklyn comedy scene and they're fucking hilarious. And they're apparently Megan the Stallion is pretty decently featured in the movie. Yeah. I've heard that there is a chance. Um, I we'll talk. It's going to be talk about awards is going to be like intercut with a lot of the conversation we're going to have today with ketchup stuff. But there is a outside chance that Dick's the musical could get a Golden Globe nomination for best com for best comedy or musical, it's which both. I think would do really, really well for it long term. I you forgot to mention that uh, the CDs uh, that nice Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score for the killer oh. that fucking hits. Wow, wow, um, wow, wow. Give me the champagne. These these glasses I, hold like two sips. Yeah, I was gonna say it was all bubbles that I got my first. These are like the glasses that like old Eastern Europeans just like take shots out of. This this vinyl's my favorite. The vinyl is really cool. So nice. I uh it the the what we got last year um for oh yeah that's what i was gonna say we got across the spider-verse on dvd that's disgusting get that out of here you got to watch that in 4K. 4k baby um i won't do a haul of my uh final blu-ray 4k shopping at best buy r.i.p best buy um but i'm glad to know that at least the screeners are keeping you, you had a good black friday um pretty solid mine was non-existent Except for this, I was gonna say that's not true because I see your your toys. I I, I I you did it of, for the good of the pot. I think of Black Friday as like going to a store, and I did not go to a store. This oh, was see, all strictly online buys. I actually, no, no one went to stores. I went to stores. I went to the mall on Black Friday. Huh. I hadn't been to the mall on Black Friday probably since like high school, but there was just like a couple shops I wanted to go. I wanted to get some new shoes and stuff, and I was like, you know what? Like, mm -hmm. I want to be part of the problem. Um, I went to the thriving, the bouncing Altamont Mall. Um, and honestly, it was a it, it was was, was it busy? Yeah, it was pretty busy, okay. but it's not like millennia crazy I, where it's just like I, stupid well, yeah. madness. But Altamont Mall is a good mall. Yeah, I like, work I worked there for yeah a couple I know. years. I, every time I pass by Vans, I say Ah, Drew's old stomping grounds. Mm -hmm. um, um, I'll tell you what I on Black Friday, uh, we were just sitting around the house, uh me and my, my parents and my sister and my dad was like, we got to go somewhere guys. We got to We got to like, where should what's a shoe station? Should we go? And so we <laughs> went, got these. we went to shoe station. Let's go. Did Leonard get, Leonard get some good boots? He got some, um, rubber Birkenstocks. Oh, okay. 
I didn't get shit. That place is horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not good. It, it has. It, I should have. I could have gotten like a Salt Life shirt, <laughs> or like a trinket, or some uh, maybe some Sperry's. Tallahassee is a great place to be. <laughs> All right, can we go, Knowles? Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the college football playoff decision? Oh yeah, what what happened? <laughs> I, I meant to I meant to warn you the other day when I saw you, like, hey, you're Ernie, you're gonna be seeing a lot of confusing anger on Facebook, like from the locals. People people were upset that, so that they won, but they didn't get into yeah, they, the they literally did not lose a game, and then the committee was like, ah, no, you're not allowed to join the playoffs though, because their quarterback got hurt. Oh, that's so fucked. Which is fucked up. Like it's it's quarterback got of, hurt, and then we it's won entitled two games. Alabama fans that bitch and moan because they think that they deserve everything Boo. in the world. And yeah, if we have, we should check our governor Ron DeSantis wants to take a million dollars of the Florida budget and put it towards suing the college football playoff <laughs> committee. And that's not a joke. Yeah, that's not a bit. That's Senator so uh, Rick Scott Rick sent, Scott out, sent out a letter like demanding answers. <laughs> They're like, release the emails. <laughs> they're they're going to do a whole investigation. Um, it's fucked up. All yeah, right. it's it's really fucked up. Maybe they, we can send them a maestro bag and it, it'll all be all the problems. Can will be you solved. send each player on the Florida it State honestly, football team? It sort of is it, like it does tie into the way award shows work because you would not think that a sport would be determined by committee. But it is yeah. in college football. Well, like a committee determines every single matchup. It's one of those things that's so idiotic where it's just like it, it only happens in college football where there's a committee that chooses it. Like, could you imagine what if uh, a few years ago uh, the Eagles were like one of the best teams in the NFL and then Carson Wentz gets hurt and they decide, actually, you're not allowed to go to the Super Bowl mm -hmm. because uh, Nick Foles, we don't think is as good. So uh, you're not I'm, allowed to go. I'm going to steal that argument so hard. I, I've been using that argument just because it's it. That is like, like your, your burner that, accounts. Yeah, <laughs> because I can't let people know that I'm making a pro Nick Foles argument <laughs> like the bane of my existence. But that's it's the same kind of thing where it doesn't make any fucking sense. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Eat shit committee fuck you alabama fuck you texas to a lesser extent if we have any listeners and go michael Tuscaloosa, penis in washington fucking block them yeah mike penis should i get a eric andre soundboard <laughs> can you get a mike penis <laughs> I'm we do need my dad's mike. penis time to deliver a pizza ball hey, da. <laughs> all right it's time to talk about some movies boys nice Damn. Um, I was getting ready for the, the, the <laughs> a nice we now return to, you know, and then the, like a funny cutaway TV gag. Oh, <laughs> so go ahead. So as you can tell, there's a giant pile of movies on the table. Um, we've seen uh, some of them. Uh, actually, I think everything we are going to talk about, I've, I've seen in the theater that I've seen. Um other than May, December, I did watch the the disc for that one. Um, but I'll start with Maestro because I've only I'm, I'm the only one who's seen that one. Um, I've been uh, testing my take with you guys a little bit at the wedding and at some gatherings. And you already know a little bit about how I feel. Uh, I'm a little bit on the fence about this movie at his wedding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's literally true. At he walked wedding. down the aisle and he's just like, <sighs> Babe, I just don't know. Course, I just don't know if Bradley related, Cooper has the juice. Wedding related events 
<laughs> surrounding the ceremony. Ernie was not worried at all about his wedding, not focused on his bride. He was like, I just need to know what the boys think about my maestro takes. Bradley's on the mind, bro. <laughs> he is on the mind. Look at him. Look at how much shit he sent me. Mm-hmm. Even though most of it I got today, but I did see the movie. I think, was it the last screening I went to before my wedding? I think it was. Um, I think, yeah, I think it probably was like, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause we missed all of us strangers, uh, because of weddings. Yeah. So that it, makes sense. it was like a, a couple days before the, the big day, uh, chance, the rappers, the big day. Um, and your wedding was not, about just about as quality, right? <laughs> hashtag not my big day. Um, hashtag, but I do love my wife. <laughs> yeah. I do love my wife. Oh. <laughs> I'm already really tired of it. I know. <laughs> You're gonna have to do a new soundboard every single podcast now. I hope that you know that. (laughs) This is gonna be hours of your life. (laughs) Um, so Maestro, um, I really want to see it again because I think that when uh, A Star Is Born came out into 2018, Bradley Cooper's last uh, directorial um, effort, it took me a couple watches to really like grow to love it. Um, that that movie missed out on on my top 10 um of that year and now i think if i were to revise my list from 2018 it would absolutely be up there that show, um, that show was in my top five yeah i think you were the only one to have it that high i don't believe that it was in my top 10 either i'm trying to pull up my yeah I, I don't now. know exactly where it would land i i don't know that was a really stacked year so mm-hmm. i i don't want to say exactly but um it, I, I don't know i think that's a movie that i could still find nits to pick and that's kind of how i feel about maestro but it's a very different movie it still has like the musical quality uh, um angle obviously because it's about a composer famous real life story of leonard bernstein but it's it's a very different movie um it approaches things not as kind of like it, it doesn't have as much fervor and like force, you know, and, and it doesn't throttle you through this story. It's a little bit more laid back and loose, but there's still a lot of energy in there. And, and there are moments where it really cranks it up to that gear that, you know, from a star is born. There's one scene in particular where it is this extended sequence where you just see Bradley Cooper conduct an orchestra. And it's one of the best scenes of the year. I mean, it's incredible. It is cinema. It is, it, 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 it brought me to tears. It was incredible. So this movie is full of moments. It's, it's full of scenes that captivated me and blew me away. But I, I do think I need that second watch to really figure out like how much this movie really comes together as a whole. Um, Cause the pieces are there. Like it's all there. The, the music, the cinematography, the acting, the writing, the directing. I mean, just the directing alone, like, Cooper is hey. he's got the pro- he is yeah. proving himself. He is letting people know like, hey, I'm here. I'm here to play. I'm one of the big dogs. And whatever issues I have with this movie, it, it, they are you can push them aside and look at just the fact that like he is a talent. He is an artistic force. Oh, um, admit that he's a big dog. He's a big dog. He's yeah. a big dog. I I just. I I'm still struggling with like the issues I have with, with, with the movie. How big are they? Mm-hmm. I, I still don't are know. Are you picking nits or are they actually like right. fundamental? Because this is, this is a fucking movie. Like you watch this thing and it just, it, it hits you. Right. So I was going to ask, is this as, 
Because I think I also have like some, I don't want to say serious faults with A Star is Born, but there's definitely some big faults that I see in that movie as well. But I can't deny like it's popcorn entertainment value. Yeah. Like it is, it's a pop movie. Right. Does Maestro have that same kind of kinetic energy? It's different. It's okay. different. That's, I, I, mean, I don't I think, think it's so. not about a pop star. It's about yeah. a composer. So it, it's a lot of it is in black and white. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is just kind of more down tempo, but um, it has its, its moments. There are some incredible, incredible moments in this movie. Shout out to Carrie Mulligan plays his wife. Um, really kind of heartbreaking role. Bernstein was kind of like a, I don't, I don't want to give away too much if you don't know the specifics of his life, but he was, you know, he got around. You know, he, he, he liked to play around. Um, and the movie really gets into that. I, I think that is kind of like the core of what this story is about is how this marriage was in some ways unconventional in some ways strained, you know, in, into being this not quite like stock monogamous relationship. Um, and he was just this larger than life figure. He became, you know, kind of this celebrity of classical music. Uh, I wasn't really that familiar with Bernstein, to be honest. I kind of knew him as the guy at, in Tar. Yeah. <laughs> you had never heard of Laird Bernstein until that one Tar scene. You're like, yeah. oh, so that's who that is. Yeah. Also, well, he also has his own line in uh, The End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. They go, You're right. Laird Bernstein. Nice. So, And uh, he he wrote um, West Side Story, which, you know, they touch mm -hmm. on that in the, in the movie. Um but yeah, it much like Oppenheimer, it, it kind of curbs a lot of conventional biopic um, uh, cliches. It, you know, it, it does get into some of them a little bit. But again, you're here for the Cooper show. You're here for Bradley and he brings it. So I recommend it. It's out on Netflix uh, Christmas or a couple days before Christmas. Uh, Maestro. Maestro. Another Netflix joint that is available right now. Uh, Todd Haynes, May, December. Mm -hmm. Again, Brian the, the Short. Uh, Julian Moore, uh, Natalie Portman. And a big, big coming out party for Charles Melton, who is winning a lot of supporting actor uh, mm -hmm. awards. Just kind of taking Robert Downey Jr.'s lunch a little yeah. bit, it looks like. R mm -hmm. Ryan Gosling kind of left looking outside in. Um, why, why, don't you, why don't you take this one out and I'll go after so I will say, uh, I'm interested to talk about this to you more. Drew, I'm really, really interested for you to watch this movie, so I'm not going to touch on too much about it, but there is a chance that this might be my favorite movie of the year. Wow. Um, I think that this movie is like a borderline masterpiece, uh, and it's something that makes me really want to go through and watch everything that Todd Haynes has done. Um, it's a movie that is so cerebral and psychological while also being hilarious and is it's really funny that this is uh on netflix because there's so many people that are stumbling into this that i feel like otherwise wouldn't go see like an art house todd haynes movie but even down to something like even something like the score is is so melodramatic but every choice is intentional and the way that this story unfolds um, for people who don't know. It's very, very loosely based off of a real life story um, from the nineties. I want to say, I, I don't have the timeline exactly pulled up, but it is based on a woman who is 36 years old um, who falls in love and has sex with a 13 year old and she gets pregnant. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the real life story is uh, Mary Kay L- L- Falala. No, it's follow Mary Kay Laterno. Yeah, Laterno. I don't know what the um, fuck you're looking at. That's a uh, yeah. She that happened in when was it? It was in oh, the nineties, right? That must was, have been um, that must have been his name. Yeah, she so must have taken his. It name. It was ninety seven. If you want more details on this case, uh, ask your mom. Yeah, no, this was <laughs> she like will know. She the, will have a lot of opinions about it. I promise. You. It was like the biggest tabloid story in the world as it was happening um and this is kind of taking some of the the writ from the headlines aspects of it because the thing about that story is they had this underage relationship she went to jail she actually gave birth to uh her first child with him in prison and then they stayed married for pretty much the duration of her life until she died a couple years ago um so what this movie is doing it, it julianne moore plays the uh that character and charles melton plays the the boy that she falls in love with now a grown uh, man now a grown man um who is about the age of julianne moore whenever they first meet whenever they first consummate their relationship and natalie portman is playing a actress who is coming to research julianne moore for a performance that she's going to give so she's trying to like mimic her mannerisms and see like get into the mind of julianne moore and it takes that kind of conceit and where the movie goes again, I, I, I hesitate to get too into specifics, but it is really investigating like who is the protagonist in the story? Who is the victim? Who are we supposed to like really see ourselves through? And this movie is so much more complicated than I ever, ever thought that it was going to be. And it, yeah, I it's, just, it's a layered one. It's something that like I, have been thinking about like on a near daily basis since seeing it. I cannot wait to rewatch this movie because I feel like on second, third, fourth rewatch, it's just going to keep re- uh, rewarding rewatches as it unfolds. You mentioned Charles Melton, um, who was somebody that I watched this movie before knowing all of the hype that was coming in and you walk away and you're like, oh, this guy, this is like such a dense and layered performance that he is giving from just like the dude from Riverdale. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, the the script is by uh, Sammy Birch, who was a uh, casting director. Yeah. This is her first screenplay, yeah. which makes a lot of sense that she's a casting director because she's very in tune with actors and with the acting process and like what people try to do to get into the mind of right. the role and kind of like in a lot of ways it satirizes that whole idea of what this is, especially I, again, I, I don't want to get too into the specifics of where the movie goes to because it takes some wild turns. Are, are the ladies winning awards as well? Or is it just Charles? Because that would be really fun. They're going to be nominated for sure. That's pretty brutal. If, um, but the, it's funny. Cause I, like the, the, the supporting actor category this year is so fucking stacked. Like yeah. I made my, my list for the critics group and I got to like 20 names easily. Um, Half of them were the cast of Oppenheimer. I was going to say, yeah, Benny Safdie. Well, but I will say, I I think that it does make sense to, after you watch this movie, why Melton also is a standout because there is something so like. It's kind of heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. He is the closest thing to like a, a viewpoint into the story that we as the audience have. And also it is a true like ingenue, like who the hell is that performance yeah. that you don't really see. Yeah, you, see it more, you see it more from like uh, supporting actress on the actresses on the women's side than you do from actors. Yeah. Usually actors we always talk about. It's like somebody winning an Oscar for their fifth 
performance, fifth nomination and something that's pretty mids. This this movie's getting a lot of praise. I, I think it's going to be in the conversation for for the rest of the award season. I really liked it. I don't know if I'm as head over heels as everyone else is. I might give it a second watch if I have a chance. Um, I I don't know. I, I thought it was great. Like, I don't have really any major flaws with it, but it didn't like it didn't kind of sweep me off my feet. You know, it, it just I was like, OK, that's a very good movie. It has an incredible set of of core performances. I think Natalie Portman gives a, a really like standout monologue in the middle there that is just kind of an all timer. Um, and I don't I don't disagree with with any of the praise. Um, I just. I I don't know. Maybe I was expecting something a little bit more uh, dramatically like sweeping or something, because it, it's, it's a very muted movie. It kind of keeps things under the surface. Yes. It, it allows you to kind of do the work to uh, unravel what's happening on your own, kind of thinking about the movie afterwards. And it doesn't really happen throughout the course of the movie. Yes, I think that a lot of that's true. Although I, I do think that one of the beauties and I, this is like one of my favorite third acts that I've seen in a movie this year, just the way that things kind of do turn on their head. Um, I, I think it, it, the movie isn't spoon feeding anything to you at all, but it's really interesting portrait of how Todd Haynes knows he's very, he's such an expert at knowing not just how, who these characters are and trying to put them 30 years later and or uh, 20 years later but the casting choices are very very adept like somebody like natalie portman in this role as trying to play like a a, a showy actress trying to make it and then you have um <clears throat> julianne moore kind of doing like the perfect Julianne Moore type performance where it's, you know, it's very breathy and she's got a little bit of a lisp and the like, lisp. it's, it's such a Julianne Moore performance. And then Charles Melton taking a guy who is best known for being in Riverdale where he plays a high schooler and then casting him as like, in a lot of ways, a, a 35 year old man, but somebody who's like fully in arrested development who never stopped maturing past teenage age right. is so smart. And there's so many distinct choices that are in this movie that it really is just one of the most expertly crafted things I've seen this year. It, it's going to be a lot to dig into yeah. um, as more people see it. It's, it's on Netflix right now. It's May, December. It's Todd Haynes, Todd Haynes, a guy who I kind of want to see more of his stuff. I've only seen Carol. I think and the the Bob Dylan one that he did, uh, I'm not there. You know, Dark Waters said I, I they knew they definitely knew and they covered it up, but I haven't seen it. Um, no, I need so. to go. I need to watch some more of his stuff. I started to watch a little bit of his Velvet Underground um, documentary that came out last year, two years ago on Apple. But I need to go back and watch like safe. We some should of his 90s. Work. I'm t I'm telling you, I think we would get like 8% cooler if we got really into Velvet Underground. Absolutely. I, listen, yeah. I, we're going to talk about it later, but I'm, I'm already getting into the Smiths. I feel like I have to do like one thing at a time. <laughs> you're just, you're getting into the Smiths. Did you guys hear about them? Dude, this guy Morsi, he's like, are you? A, he's kind of a good music. I thought that was a good song. I thought that was a, uh, the brainchild of Trent Reznor and Atticus <laughs> Ross. I thought they just made up a classic rock. Band. Are you some kind of <laughs> murderer? Are you the assassin? 
I I might be the the murder man. Are we going that's, out of order? Or that's not we? a suck. Um, <laughs> I was like, we're, we're jumping around too much. Uh, so that's May December. Um, another, Drew looks sleepy over there. We had to keep, we had to wake him up. A little an, bit. An, another one um, that we got a chance to see is um, we call the American Fiction, which is also climbing up the ranks of maybe sort of sleeper um, spoilers in the um, in the awards race. Uh, when we were done watching this movie at the screening, we kind of said, oh, is this the same smell that I smelled when I saw Coda back in 2021? Um, because it does have that little bit of like late award season sort of, oh, could this be something? Could this pop? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm i not going to get into it too much. I'll, I'll, I'll save it for another episode, but I also saw the holdovers. Love the holdovers might make my top 10. It's definitely in the running kind of a similar scent there of like, Oh, could this be, could this be something that kind of breaks through the ranks here? Um, American fiction won the, uh, TIFF, uh, Toronto international film festival audience award, Mm -hmm. which is usually a big bellwether for this kind of thing. Um, that means it's pretty, it's a lock to at least get nominated for best picture. Yeah. The Fablemans won it last year. Um, so that gives you an idea of like the kind of movie that, that wins that award. But then you sit and watch this movie and then it's, it's the kind of movie that's like, Oh, how can you not give it the audience award? Because it just, it's one of those movies that calls it shot. It's like, I'm going to go for the fucking home run. And in my opinion, I don't think it does it. I think it maybe gets like maybe a triple, you know, that's solid. Um, but it's it's going for it. It's it's a satire. Um, I I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you know the basic premise. It's it's a guy who is a writer, and I think it's based on a book. And he writes a book that is essentially a, a satire of the kind of literature that white people want black people to write, mm-hmm. or, right. or the kind. It's of the stories. whole thing of just being told uh, um, that like he he's basically he's he's a black writer and told like your writing isn't black enough. We need like a story that's just like speaking in like a certain dialect or from a certain point of view. And he makes a schlocky book just being like trying to prove a point. Yeah. And then it goes the opposite direction. Right. It's, Um, it's a very well done satire. The, the, the escalation of events. Drew, you've seen Laquisha. What if, (laughs) what if it was like that, but it wasn't problematic? It was actually from the perspective of black. La- Laquisha famously then, the <laughs> what's the hook? <laughs> I don't the movie about a white guy podcasting as a black woman. Yeah, yeah, um, and how that's definitely okay. <laughs> no, yeah. but don't worry. A black woman comes in at the end and is just like, "Hey, I just want you to know, like everything you're doing here is, is totally actually cool." A okay. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really really excited for this one. Cord Jefferson is like I, a yeah. phenomenal writer. His, Who is this guy? So his his resume fucking rules. It mm-hmm. uh, last thing he wrote, you may be familiar. Ernest fucking Station Eleven. Yeah, he wrote what? an episode. He wrote an episode. Uh, no the way. Seven City Airport. He was episode. yeah yeah he was in the room. Uh, he but wrote that episode. <laughs> he wrote uh, Watchmen. He was a writer on Watchmen. Writer and uh, consultant on Succession. This Master is of guy. None season one. Before that, I actually knew his name because he wrote for Gawker. Like going back to like the it says consultant on succession he also wrote for the good place yeah wow um nightly show with larry wilmore like he's just been kind of i think that's another reason why this movie is being so warmly reviewed and people know received is he's just a guy that everybody likes already so do we think that 
uh, Jeffrey Wright is almost playing a Cord Jefferson. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hundred yeah. yeah, percent. He's yeah. He's a writer that it, there. There's a scene in this movie where he uh, finds his novels in a bookstore, mm-hmm. and he finds them in the African American studies <laughs> section of the book. And he writes like mythological kind of. Shit. And he's like, <laughs> it's like he's like, there's nothing like African about these books. Like they're just like fiction. They're just regular fiction. Why are they in this section? And that that kind of encapsulates a lot of the the frustration driving the plot here. But there's a lot of things that I, I don't want to reveal that kind of add additional wrinkles to the story. Um, mm-hmm. Sterling K. Brown is in this film, and I think he is logging on yeah, as a supporting He's actor. officially running. Yeah, um, he's very good in which this Which, brother, movie. listen, as us us here on waves island have been out here waving the sterling k brown no, flag my for years. my mom on this is us island yeah. <laughs> I, that's a fucking that's a continent oh, bro. Yeah, that's, i think that's beyond Everyone an loves island sterling k brown you fucking bubble losers oh, i have this like crazy thing where like i, I kind of like sterling k brown i know shoot me he's um, he's very good in this movie when he, when he comes in the movie like levels up yes and i think that he's a very clear supporting performance. And I think that one of the, the faults of this movie is that it was just every time he left, it was like, ah, oh, man, I, I mean, miss I him. Come on. Sterling K Brown was still here. I, I think the movie struggles to balance its tone. I think um, that was one thing that we both walked out of the theater saying yeah. is that it's, it has very big, this is my first screenplay energy, which is not like, and I feel like that sounds more negative than it necessarily, than I really mean it to be because it's really funny. It's got some great laughs and Very it does funny. have, it got huge laughs yeah, and it does have some good emotionality to it that works. But I think that the pacing, not just like or throughout the entire movie, but the pacing within a scene is kind of clunky. Like there's an art to knowing, all right, here's a laugh line. Now we take a beat. Now we say something dramatic so that you actually have the audience as a chance. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, now I'm listening again. And there's some points where you're laughing at a big laugh line and then like somebody says something, they're like, the cancer has come back. And you're like, wait, I, I think I missed something. What What's going well, on? Well, it's, I mean, it's sort of something that happens in, uh, in succession sometimes. Obviously, the show that show typically avoids it, but it, it makes a lot of sense that you're saying that and he wrote for it because also that's a problem that I had a lot in the fucking menu. Oh, yeah. Um, which was made by a succession writer. Uh, that movie, I think, generally kind of an interesting comp now that I think about it, like ca- kind of high satire, you know, like very like out there. I would satirical based on every take that I've heard and just my assumption, I would assume that this is a tier above the menu. I didn't, I mean, I didn't care for the menu very I, much. I like the menu. I know. I, I was, I was lower than most people on it. Also, this movie isn't going to have as broad of an appeal, obviously. Like the menu ended up just like being a huge yeah. hit. I don't know. I could see this movie really taking off, especially, um, I don't know who is distributing it. Is it Amazon? Is that yes. who it is? Okay. Yes. I almost wish it was going to like a Hulu or a Netflix because I think it would have a bigger audience I, I if think, it were to well, go there. I think may, if people were to put it on, they would like it. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I think a lot of like older white people are going to see that the plot involves like just the general like the abstract idea of race in a in a way and they're, they're going like, to say no. Middle well, America is No, out. dude. That the the whole point of this movie 
is the movie is literally about a very specific type of wealthy white liberal that wants to pat themselves on yeah. the back by it's about lifting, woke culture and like lift, kind of rubbing your nose and woke culture lifting up <laughs> uh, like marginalized voices and it's like oh yes i'm a i'm a very good white person because i am putting the spotlight on the 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 voices that are never quite heard yeah. and it's i'm like, a good i'm a good white person i want to spotlight the black experience but only what my viewpoint on what the black experience right. is exactly <laughs> and i think the movie it's I, I am very fascinated to see if this movie does get swept up into a broader discourse, like what all the different takes on it are going to be, because I, I feel like this movie is in some ways the next stage of representation in cinema where the, the there are very specific like visual motifs in this movie that kind of harken back to um, the way black people have been portrayed in popular culture for ever you know it, it, it's essentially trauma porn it's 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 slavery it's gang violence like this movie leans into that so often in in very key moments that it's not subtle at all right and to think about like the history of 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 you know black representation on 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 a mainstream scale, not, you know, not talking about like more niche auteurs like Spike Lee, but just like the kind of movies that get swept up into broad appeal. Black representation is, is very much in a box. Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, artists like Jordan Peele that are able to kind of blow up that box and and you get, you know, get out us. uh, Nope. And now this almost feels like another step in it's like a sidestep where it's commenting on like, here's where we've been and here's where we are now. And how can we acknowledge the fact that we have much further to go? It's interesting that this movie is coming out the same year as uh, the color purple, because I think (laughs) both of those movies are going to be very much in the awards discourse. And people are going to be talking about that. Both of them have very high chance of being nominated for best picture and it's interesting to compare those two because like the color purple is exactly what you're talking about. The color purple is the traditional idea of like, this is what black representation is in cinema. This is what it looks like in cinema and what American fiction is. It's funny. American fiction is almost a better movie to talk about than it is watching it. I feel like, because what, what it's trying to say is much more interesting, which is saying like, why does black representation have to look a certain way? You don't say the same thing about like white films that like Marvel movies and Todd Haynes movies look different, but one is more representative than the other really quick. Uh, I'll touch on a couple things real quick, uh, before we get into, uh, uh, some other stuff that both Ernie and I have seen, um, the taste of things. This is a French movie, um, from, uh, kind of became a big sensation. I think can this year is whenever it first this uh this this portion of the pod sponsored by run p if you want to take a break during a portion of this podcast do it during the french movie i brother so that is rude 
That is rude as hell. Let me tell you, I, I know it sounds like a, it's like kind of uh, cringy millennial shit, but like this is probably some of the best food porn shit that I've ever seen in a movie. Like it was a movie that was just like, yeah, no, I could have made it like a hundred years ago in the French countryside. If I was just like living in a castle and it was just me and Juliette Binoche just fucking cooking shit up and making hey. 11 courses meals for each other. Every I'm kind of, I'm kind of back on board. I, um, this is a movie I, I just saw it uh, a couple nights ago, and it's kind of a movie. That it's it's a movie that sat with me really well. The first like twenty or thirty minutes is kind of exhilarating. Uh, of the first time that they are they are cooking these meals together, it is so beautiful the way the artistry that they are putting together these these meals. And as the film kind of evolves, it it becomes. A story about food. Food is really at the core of this, but also this really, really beautiful relationship between uh, Juliette Binoche and Benoit Majimal. Um, I believe wow. I'm saying that correct. Good job. Uh, that sounded, that. It sounded so right. Well, I'm going to say it was correct then. Um, and about these two that have kind of been in each other's lives for 20 years and have had a little bit of a flirtation, but... For there's always years. Been this, there's always been this like romance there and them eventually find trying to find true love together and as they call it the autumn of their lives. Oh. It's a really really beautiful love story that it, La Tom de los Viveres. Wow, that was that was really good. That was goddamn. Have you been on Duolingo lately? Holy shit! Yeah, for Jesus. like fucking Portuguese or whatever. Yeah, how much of how much saying, cooking um, is involved? It's like oh all you, you haven't there's, seen it either. No, no. Oh. There's so much cooking at its core. It's gonna be on the short list for the best um international film for me this year i think that it's really really expertly done like i said it's a movie that's really sat with me well that i i'm excited to rewatch. i did while watching the first three minutes of this movie i was like laying in bed and i was like fuck i gotta go eat something like it's a movie <laughs> that just makes you hungry while you're watching and you went and go compliment. you went and made like pizza rolls <laughs> <laughs> i was just like and now some alouette cheese yeah. <laughs> But genuinely, when um, I'm when I'm watching people eat gourmet meals, I go and make like a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, I'm like, damn, they just like me for real. <laughs> hey, man, toast, um, toast, toast the bread. I uh, I don't want to talk the bear. I don't want to talk too much about the taste of things. Um, there's a chance it might end up in my top ten of the year. Oh, it's um, that good. It's damn. really good. It's okay. it's probably it might be just on the outside looking in, but I really really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I hesitate to see too much about it because most people won't see this movie till like February. Um, but very very good. Highly recommend it. Um, the other movie is a movie that I highly, highly recommend to both of you guys. Right now, it is in my top ten, and that is Bottoms. Uh, Let's go! Oh yeah, the, I'm in on Bottoms. I haven't even seen. Have it. you seen it yet? You're, okay, you said you're in on um, Bottoms. Yeah. Whoa! You're Power Bottom. Um, <laughs> bottoms, I'm in. <laughs> so uh, this is a new film starring Rachel Sennett and Ao Debri, uh, our girls, and the basic premise of this story is that it is about. Two uh, high schoolers, two lesbians who are just trying to get laid before they graduate high school. And nice. they are going around. Ao Devery, uh, this is like the first like five, ten minutes of the movie. The, the general setup is that she has a, um, a broken arm just from something that happened over the summer. And they make up this lie that uh, they both went to juvie over the summer. And out of that comes this whole idea to get out of trouble. They say that they're going to start a fight club to protect themselves uh, from the rival school. This whole movie is like 
camp to the absolute fucking max where they're just like the other rival school is like beating the shit out of our our, our people <laughs> like our staff the, um, the football <laughs> marshawn lynch plays the uh plays hey, their yeah. teacher I'm listening. The, the the football players are always wearing their football pads. Yeah, they're just always wearing their football so pads funny. like running into each other. It's fucking hilarious. Did like, you see is, Marshawn Lynch got an indie spirit nomination? That's so he's <laughs> dude, Marshawn Lynch is legitimately great in this movie. The whole time he's just like a guy who's just like going through a divorce and hates women. And then he sponsors the the women led fight club that he has. He's just like, damn, I love women. Um it's so goddamn funny. The third act of this movie is like fucking hilarious. And it kind of becomes like an over the top martial arts action movie, just kind of out of nowhere. Um, Sick. It's, it's really, really, really good. I highly, highly recommend it. It's on my list. There's so many like jokes that I like laugh about whenever I think about, and I don't want to say anything out loud because I want to talk to them. I I don't want to spoil anything for you guys about specific, uh, cutaways that they have bottoms bottoms big recommend um <laughs> the other thing uh the quite so bottoms if you're just in for like a nice fun romp uh check out bottoms another light fun romp to just get the kids together for is uh the new jonathan glazer film the zone of interest <laughs> quite literally the opposite end of the cinematic i don't know spectrum. i don't know how we how we ended up there with that transition but um um i think this movie um, might end up in my top 10 of the year because yeah. it's it flabbergasted me. Um, so I, I don't want to take up too much time because it'll probably I'll probably talk about it at Listomania. But this is a challenging film. It is a very uh, demanding watching experience. Um, I want to go back to bottoms. <laughs> Boo. What does this guy live next to fucking Auschwitz or something? <laughs> That's literally what it is. Uh, what oh. if he lived literally uh, like you see the wall of Auschwitz it's, right there, the entire film. That liter- that sounds like a family guy cutaway. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like hearing things and he's like, that's eh, probably nothing. And his wife's just like, I don't want to move. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm getting relocated. Giggity, giggity. Giggity, I had to mute the soundboard because I was hitting it. <laughs> accidentally um i mean in all seriousness this is a one of the most like important movies Mm -hmm. ever made i i i don't know and it wait hold on and it might end up in your top 10 here's the thing is like I'm building my list right now. You know, we're getting to that time of year. I, I Everything I watch is like, is it going to make the top 10 or not? Like, because I'm pretty happy with my top 10 right now. So things that are falling out, they better fall out for good reason. Right. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to make this drink so strong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I gave him the strongest one. Oof. Listen, Drew, you're getting sleepy over there. We had to wake you up. A little ours, bit. ours were not as strong. Oh. Um, you're just you're trying to get me buttered up for poor things. <laughs> you're gonna have to unmute the soundboard for that one. <laughs> it's coming out. I already know. <laughs> Every time Drew talks, he can't get anything in. Um, um, no, going back to Zone of Interest, I Ernest, you said something like that. I totally agree with coming right out of the screen, which yeah. is you said like this is not like this movie is not entertaining. I wouldn't at, at say, all. but I think. This is one of the, like the most 
important movies about the Holocaust ever made. Like this is one of the most true depictions of the Holocaust that you will ever see. But you don't see anything. And that's that's the reason why. You just you it's, hear it. The sound design in this movie I, is incredible. The score. I mean, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Did you see it in I've, a theater? Yes. Yes. Uh if you can see this movie in a theater, people highly or, or recommend. I guess with headphones in. Yeah. yeah I, just anything the sound design is truly like impeccable. It's so one of the geniuses about things about this movie, and this is definitely something that took me a bit to kind of settle into what this movie is, is the whole idea, your preconception of Jonathan Glazer going into it. So I, I've talked about it before. Um, Under the Skin is one of my favorite movies of the 2010s. I absolutely love that movie. I watch that movie every couple of years. And I went into this movie with this kind of preconception of Jonathan Glazer as a horror filmmaker. And because of that, I was only uh, I was completely concerned with like what exactly what horrors are we going to see on film and this movie kind of subverts that in a lot of ways because it uses horror as ambience yep. it uses horror as just hearing gunshots in the background throughout the entire movie just hearing like just screams or a and red hearing, glow yeah. in the sky at night and you know what that is right. because you know, like from history, you'll have uh there's a uh, shout out to our boy, Danny friend of the pod. Um, There's a really good, a uh, Siemens reference <laughs> in this cause Siemens built gas chambers. See some um, nice uh, engineering diagrams. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> never forget uh, Siemens. Uh, Hunter will never forget of Orlando, the chemical. Florida. Um, Siemens really is the make the creator of the chemical haze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's so true. Jesus fucking Christ. And Danny's um, not, this is a, it's a movie pod. Danny's deadly. not, Danny's not I, listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking deadly. Um, no, I... <laughs> uh, Zone of Interest, it's, it's really incredible, like, describing this movie, because describing this movie, it's just like, uh, on its surface, it's about a guy um, and his family and his family who just have a beautiful home um, and he's getting moved to a new station in a different part of Germany. He's doing but a very good job. His, he's a very good Nazi. He's a very good Nazi and to the point where they want to like move him to his new place. But his wife is so happy. They built this little paradise. And it again, it's literally on the other side of the wall from Auschwitz. Yeah. Um, the way that this movie, it, it's not, it never changes perspective except for one moment in the entire film. But for the most part, you are just in the mind of this Nazi and the nonchalance with which it handles horror is something that I just found to be like one of the most powerful chilling. things I've seen in movies this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it gives you this depiction of evil in a way that really makes you think about like our own role in it. It, it very similar to something like killers of the flower moon too strong yeah yeah you pour more, just, pour just more gotta, orange juice in there baby tequila Jesus you gotta Christ. swirl it up um very similar to killers of the flower moon how it's framed yes. as like what is the audience's uh what how are we complacent in yes. this evil that's a great great comparison because two movies I one thing I've been thinking a lot with this movie is like, you know, the the very literal like sharing a wall with Auschwitz. It's I think I talk about this with Lee all the time, where here in Orange County, 
you drive by all these lands that are being developed and it we are living through a, an ecological genocide here where uh it, lands are just being destroyed to make way for suburban developments and no one is doing anything about it like hey, obviously there's hey, a push i'm doing something about it you are you are you are thank you but you wave your not your naiad flag most protesters most people most people are looking right by it and i think that's part of what this movie is trying to to depict uh it, it, it it's not a message movie in any way it's not trying to it, it's really just displaying mm-hmm. something very very locked off wide shots you're, you're not in there's not a single close-up in this movie i don't think so it's not trying to kind of lean into anything too much it's it's very much hanging back and just displaying these things and letting you come to your own conclusions and one of those conclusions to me was how are we any different from these nazis if we allow these things to play out in our world it, i think those are the types of questions that jonathan glazer is trying is trying to get you to ask like how can we know what evil is how can we look at it and understand what we're looking at because these people in this movie they're just living a happy life they're just playing in their garden they're having a good life but they're evil they they're carrying out evil but they're not doing it in a way where they're twirling their mustache and talking about like oh yes look at all the evil things that we must do they're talking about like oh what how can we get these numbers up what's our kpis for the month there's yes yeah like no for real like there is just such a there's such like a pencil pusher aspect of that complacency that you're talking about where it's like oh it's just a job to do it this movie is just i the the end of this movie there's a cutaway that i don't really want to spoil but it it kind of touches directly to that of like do we ever take a moment to even think I, I didn't necessarily think of it in like the ecological disaster like that purview, but I did think about it in like this way of if you think about society and our, you know, the whole ad, adage history repeats itself, blah, 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 because nobody actually takes a second to pay attention to the things that are around them and to the things that have happened before them. Eventually, all of these these old death camps that you see just become museums that people pass by every day and don't think twice about. Like all of these things will eventually just turn into a landmark just becomes a place and just becomes a, a whatever. It might as well just be a Publix on the corner of the street. You don't think twice about it as you walk past it. And I think that that is one of the things that Jonathan Glazer is really trying to interrogate is what is this? Why do we do this? I, I really, I cannot, it's funny for how, not entertaining i would say this movie is i cannot wait to rewatch this movie and to revisit it because it, it doesn't I think that this it doesn't is, traumatize you no, it doesn't give you anything that's like it's not fucked up to look at every like going into it everybody's like this is you know this is one of the most uncomfy movies in years and like yeah i'm not like saying that this is a fun time but it's not a movie it's not trauma porn right which i think is really important and that's one of the things that makes it very true is because for nazis it wasn't trauma porn in the moment. It was just them just going on with right. their lives, just following orders. It's a big movie. It's very unique. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, it's the zone of interest. Uh, I think a lot of people are not going to be fan- 
fans. I don't think a lot there. of people are going to see this movie. I, to be fair, like Joe Schmo, who's firing up Netflix, is not going to watch this I, movie. I think a lot of people are probably going to call this pretentious yeah. and unnecessary. And like, we get it. I think there's going to be a lot of takes like that. So we'll see what the consensus is. There's going to be a lot of people being like, well, why did he make a movie like that? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like the main guy. I don't like that. So like, if I don't like the main character, then why do I watch the movie? <laughs> do you, have you memorized any of them? <laughs> You're just poking around. I've hey, been, da. <laughs> You're by the way, thing. is there one person in poor things whose name is Peter over, over the course see, of yeah. this podcast, I've genuinely been uh, like downloading YouTube videos of stuff that I want to have buttons for. And I'm load me up, baby. I'm really excited. <laughs> I hit both of them. <laughs> oh, man, now that's good. You're going to give. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, Yorgos Lanthimos is back with Poor Things, a movie we've seen. A movie that is not going to be widely accessible to the masses for at least another week it looks like it's going to slowly roll out starting december 15th um nationwide so look out for it uh we're all big fans we're gonna get into it into a, a little short little mini deep dive here so maybe pause now and come back to this when you've actually seen the movie i think it's a big recommend um safe to say we're gonna talk about it again at end of year because maybe we all love it i I have some I have some spoiler free thoughts that I can get. Okay, go just real quick. I I do think like this is a movie that it's going to challenge most people seeing this. Um, one thing that I can say, and if you've seen Yorgos's other movies, uh, it's okay to laugh while you watch this movie. This movie is one of the funniest movies that I've seen in years. Like, legitimately hilarious. It is a true blue comedy. Um, there is also so much more to it, which we're going to get into. Um, Emma Stone, of course, is like incredible. I think this is one of the best performances of her entire career. I cannot name an actress who is better than Emma Stone. I can't. I think she. I, I think she's got the. She she's got the, the goods. Yeah. She is net like she, she has never been anything other than great. Yeah. In any. Movie. It's interesting. Like this year, uh, because I don't, I don't think I, I can't think of any other actress who could play this part either. Like it's it, a it, fearless, it's a fearless performance. I mean, the thing she's asked to do by our guy shit. Yorgos, crazy shit, is unlike anything you could ever it's imagine. Not depraved, some might even say. But she finds this beautiful humanity in it. I mean, yeah, th this is this is very much a riff on uh, Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have have made that comp, and also the the Prometheus story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Barbie. It's very much Barbie. It's Barbie. Oh, it's it's extremely. That was my biggest takeaway watching it. Is like this is like like Barbie if you're like really fucked up. You're a sicko. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it really <laughs> is. Um, and she nails it, man. I I it's. Yeah, it's mind boggling the amount that she has to do in order to to make this movie work, even though like there's so much framework in place because it's extremely well written. Uh, it's the same. Hold on. Who, who wrote this movie? I want It's the same guy who did um, the favorite. Yeah, the it's, favorite. it's Tony McNamara, who also in between that did Cruella, which will ultimately be remembered by us as the thing that introduced I'm Cruella and the thing that introduced Yorgos to Emma Stone. <laughs> 
<laughs> the thing that you know made the connection happen well no because they made the favorite before Cruella. oh duh yeah oh duh but it's it's probably what got the fucking paycheck to do poor things yeah it is yeah and then off the i mean the direction this movie is like fucking ridiculous so this is based on a short story i believe it's one of those see the reason i didn't remember if that was true is because during the movie i clocked that as something to note in my brain because I was like, I bet this has like big short story vibes. If you've ever had to read for. Oh, it's a novel. Oh, if you've ever had to read for a class or any one of those, like the best American science fiction short stories of blank. Like I had to read a bunch of those. This has the the vibe of like an expansion on one of those. Like it's such a weird fucking story. The, the novel is called Poor Things Colon Episodes from the Early Life of Archibald McCandles, MD, Scottish public health officer. Cool. Is that like a new Coheed album? 1992. <laughs> if you're if you're a writer, would you fucking ask for like a, a hey, half you know a second? Editing is important, <laughs> Mister Editor. They, Mister Mister Writer. Writers annoying people love colons. It's this this story is is a journey. It's it, an odyssey. It's fucking insane. In in so many ways, it's like weirdly a traditional hero's journey. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But just with the most fucked up context and backdrop imaginable. It's also uh it's also it takes place within a genre world because it is steampunk. It's this universe very, they yes. exist in. Extremely stylized. I think that this is a really interesting turn for Yoga Yorgos as a filmmaker because yeah, Yorgos has cooked. He's played around with the idea of like soft sci-fi with something like the lobster. Um, yeah, but in and this- then he's played around with like the idea of like more period piece, at least aesthetic, with something like the favorite. Yeah, but this is taking, like you said, like a steampunk neo-futuristic view but everyone's kind of dressed like they're in the 1800s so it's it's such a unique purview that this movie is it's just i always my thought with that is always like when you take on something like that that is whole cloth the entire world is up to you like even if it's based on something the amount that can go wrong there is fucking crazy you could you could fuck up so easily and suspend and you know uh, lack suspension of disbelief and you fucked up your movie. This movie doesn't do that for a second. You're in that movie the entire time that you're in it. Aesthetically, it all makes sense. Even the wild shot selection and like you know like camera selection. Like he's doing like fisheye. Yeah, he's doing these overhead shots. He's doing black and white and then color. Like he he is directing the absolute shit out of the movie yes it's nuts and it and it works so well you're not because it's not i don't know usually a movie like that that has so many so much variance in the way that is presented to you usually there's a problem there like usually like the director is trying to be like hey look at me look look what i did well but yeah you're watching this movie the i think the the perfect ingredient here is the fact that the story is so nuts that you are not overwhelmed by the way it looks because you're paying attention to some crazy shit that's going on. You know what I mean? And on top of that, you're paying attention to performances that are matching. That's what I was about to say. And uh, because it's not just Emma. Emma is driving the movie. Mark Ruffalo. We'll get to him. We got to talk about Willem because he... So... uh, can we spoil or what like yeah yeah i I, I, people can can pause and come back when they've seen it i will say uh one thing and this is not a this is not a criticism of the movie itself but it's just funny that i feel like 
Poor Things and Oppenheimer coming out the same year are going to go on to define like uh, annoying first year of college guys for like the next decade of just like the yin and yang of just like dude I just like dude have you ever seen Oppenheimer like, oh my god <laughs> and it's gonna be like no nah, dude have you ever seen Poor Things like dude it's like fucking it's well, acid trip well we're we're about <laughs> we Poor Things hasn't come out yet so we're about to see like how much this movie yeah. actually gets swept up into the into the conversation because it will not be Oppenheimer. Uh, no, it will. It, won't, it is funny. Poor things that, will not be talked about. This by movie, people. though, no, not by normal people, but this movie is like considered a lock for a best picture nomination. It's I, like, and I that is know, kind of insane. To I don't me, know. Hunter knows things. That's I'm saying. Like, I what are you on? Are you on Gold Derby? No, but I'm telling you right now, I'll have a top five, I mean, every, top six everything, spot. Everything it's, ever all at once did win best picture last year. So yes, forget that. That's this movie very, is like there's so much there's. This movie is so much weirder than everything. Hey, it's number three on culture. I'm telling you, like there's people love Yorgos, not just like the Academy. We have to think about how diverse the Academy is, how international the Academy is. And people just absolutely are head over heel for you for Yorgos. Now, do I think it's going to win? Absolutely not. This movie, uh, for one, I think it has way too much nudity for uh, a best picture win. This it's a be, fucking horny movie. There is uh, some giggity giggity goo happening, um, but also giggity, also kind of gross if you're like horned up by this movie. Um, hey, <laughs> like tone it down a little bit uh, if your Peter is acting up. Um, <laughs> I uh, this movie, I, but, I think, but I think don't that Yorgos love could have gone. See it though, yeah, no. Like, I, this is exactly this is what you come to the movie for is for like somebody just going for it i think after the favorite yorgos could have gone in any direction that he wanted to he could have gone more period piece more like oscar Beatty type stuff he could have gone back to making something that is more lower stripped down like the lobster like um killing of a sacred deer but instead he was just like no i think i'm this generation's terry gillum where i'm just going to go make like the most yeah. wacky insane yeah. shit Except and you're this is, all going to love it yeah because this is also better than anything terry did it's got ah. such a heart. It's got such a heart to it, man. Like this it's, movie, this movie has. I know you love the Fisher King, but <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of like Brazil. You know, I still helping. Like this is this is so good. This is my favorite movie of the year. I think. Yeah, I think me too. It is yeah. fucking insane uh, how perfectly calibrated that this movie is. Like you, you're talking. You're talking about like this making a college freshman annoying. It's made me annoying. <laughs> I if I were asked to talk about it, I would be annoying. And I, I am bad news for you. you. We're on a podcast and right now. I'm asking you. It's happening right now. It's finally happening. Uh, I I was absolutely fucking mind boggled by the way that this movie works in every way that it shouldn't. It reminds me of all my a lot of my favorite media like co cross genre where it, things that shouldn't work what they do. Oh, I hate to I hate to bring up a hundred gex. <laughs> oh, you're gonna be like this is the pavement of movies no because it's not because this movie is genuine like it's putting in a lot of effort to be this good right and pavement is you know what i mean is this the scaring the hose of uh guess how many uh oscar nominations uh the favorite got it got a fuckload seven seven six ten it got ten. yeah ten. and it deserved them and this movie is well is way more challenging but it's better but also the favorite was a challenging movie let's think about just off the top here for this year uh best picture yes emma stone yes director uh, screenplay director, maybe i director probably more yeah more than likely screenplay adapted screenplay is gonna be pretty heavy this year but i think probably that production design 100 um i could see cinematography 
uh, costume design. VFX. Uh, yeah, some VFX. There's some good Willem Dafoe's burps. Um, Sound. Is there a category about like best dandy or best like <laughs> fop? Maybe. Well, the Wait, question is. Is No, that's that's rough. The real question is, well, is it rough or is it Willem Dafoe getting the nomination? Because rough is a bit of a of a sleaze bag. Yeah, he's a. I mean, that's 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 the fop portion, but also the dandy portion. He's a foppish dandy. Mm -hmm. Look, is there is there a category? Can we have a Wabami category? The best foppish, (laughs) the the Mark Ruffalo and Poor Things best foppish dandy of the year award. I (laughs) goes to Mark Ruffalo. It's crazy. I um, I think. Emma Stone is a revelation. I think this is definitely I am one of, if not the best performance of the year. She's, but she's also, she's been gone for a couple of years. Well, La La, La Land was 16. Um, the favorites 2019. Okay. Um, eight, that see. was 18. Uh, yeah, that was 18. She married Dave McCary, famously the director of every let's see. Uh, good neighbor stuff. Corella was 20. Yeah, she, had a kid. Video. she had a kid with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just pre been or, cr- pre or post shoot um, uh, of the favorite shoot. No, of, of poor, poor things. Thing. Oh, that's a great question. It's got to be post. Yeah. No, because she looks she looks good in this. <laughs> well, listen, you can <laughs> I, actually look incredible post pregnancy. I'm I'm actually an ally. I. Um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. I, I think, think so. she looks. You thought she looked incredible. I think she looks very no. womanly. <laughs> In this film, she looks very dandy. She very fine. I we genuinely need to focus on the fact that her performance is one of my probably ten favorite performances ever, and it's so fucking insane what she has to do mm-hmm. in this. Movie. It's so unique because it's it's almost like if the audience has ever read Flowers for Algernon, for example, it's like the first two acts of Flowers for Algernon. She has to play like ten different characters. Um, I also seamless. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, she has to have a unbelievably varying levels of intelligence from like genuinely from it's like an exercise in acting. Like this is something that you would be given as a task. Right. In like a Meisner effect class that you're taking in L.A. You know what I mean? Become baby. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Play a baby quickly becoming an adult. Right. Like that's that's an insane yeah, and, thing. And here's here's why I think this movie like transcended to another level for me, because it is a perfect alignment of plot and character where every single moment, every single scene is an advancement of her character and also an advancement of the story and the themes yeah. of the movie. Every right. new interaction, I every know. new setting, every every new element that's introduced into this movie, it, it does like double or triple duty because it advances her character arc, it advances the plot, and it advances the the larger thematic ideas that this movie has. And, and it's doing all of that simultaneously. Yeah, I, I really wanted to, yeah. Behind Emma Stone, I... So I love Willem in this. Don't get me wrong. And I love the rough. We'll talk a lot about the rough, but my second place MVP goes to Tony McNamara for this. Um, even ahead of your goes screenplay because this script is crazy. Like the, the idea of tackling writing this, maybe, maybe he would go be lower on my list if I had read the original book. And you know, if, if so much of it was just taken whole cloth, I have that. a feeling that it's not though. No, maybe I the central so. construct of, I think that this movie is very, very 
a very smartly organized an act structure. It's that quite, very yeah. clearly is like this act we're going to be in this location, and then this act we're going to be in this location. Portugal, and Paris. Each, it's yeah. almost kind of acting like uh, the way that I've been thinking about it in time passing has been like the acts of the movie are acting like her stages of development as she is growing from being infantile to like having awareness of self, but not really of others. And then finally, like eventually having this awareness of the world to the point that it becomes so overwhelming that you're just like, can I throw myself at this? Can I give all of my wealth to this thing? And knowing that it's like, it's a, it's a beast that will never be satiated and there's nothing you can kind of do. And that that's what you're one of the things that I think really does work about this movie wider theme wise is this idea of uh, uh, like how much of, of just humanity as a whole. I think I like kind of lost my train of thought there, but what do we as humans find in humanity? Well, it's and, very Barbie. It's the same thing as Barbie. It is. It's like, yeah, because, yeah, but, yeah because, because, you know, she ends up taking that, you know, taking the, the injustices inherent in being alive. It, it tackles class and then it gets into, well, women are just why are women just below men especially because this world is stylized to look old even, right even though it's like fantasy steampunk like you're you're looking at like an 1800s world so it's like oh yeah she definitely would realize that she's fucked as a woman yeah you know what i mean but the it also like it, it's really annoying to sort of like draw the comparison of something to like an acid trip quote unquote but the reason that this movie is genuinely similar to some sort of psychedelic experience is because chemically what psychedelics do is they mix the the synapses in your brain in such a way as that you are experiencing things as, as a if, child as if it was your first yeah. time and so you'll look at a tree and think what the hell that's great oh my god which is when you were like four that's what you thought of a tree right. but now you've just seen a million and this movie is seeing existence through the eyes of someone who is seeing it for the first time but is smart yeah and it's so cool the other giant writing triumph in this movie is and I, i'm sure that part of you know some of this is definitely in the original novel but it's her the evolution of her vocabulary yes is awesome it is so fucking fun like i want to get my hands on a copy of the script of the movie because do you have in your fucking pile of oh, shit over here? Send us the poor things. Poor things. I don't know what the hell. What it's, studio it's, is this? It's because they know. It's a twenty four. A twenty four. Step the fuck up. Um, it is. It is so cool because. Oh wait, no, it's not a twenty four. I'm sorry. It is uh, Searchlight. It's Searchlight. Maybe. Step it up. It goes beyond. So Disney. So her her like the evolution of her vocabulary goes beyond like from smart to dumb, the way that something like flowers for Algernon goes, this is not someone who's going or, or dumb to smart. I mean, this isn't someone who is just stupid. It's someone who doesn't know words. Right. And like they say, doesn't know anything. Yeah. So they, they say really early on in the movie, like, Oh yeah, she's, she's gaining like 15 words a day or something like that. And so she is experiencing and feeling really complex things because the, the, she is an infant's brain being put into an adult's body, which we haven't even mentioned, but like, because that's, that's so fucking, I know, crazy. but because, so because that's what she is, she's experiencing things on a level that no one ever has in terms of like having the capacity to, to feel it, but not having the words yet. And so it's almost like 
Mad Libs in the beginning of the movie. Like it's yeah. her just taking words she knows and trying to ascribe them to what she's feeling. And the slow evolution of that as the movie goes on to the very end where she is just like a, a highly intellectual, like well-spoken person. It is so fucking fun to imagine writing this movie. Because and to see her do it. That's of the course. thing. Yeah, because she's also, I mean, because Emma's also delivering all these he different have, levels. He must have written it for her. It's just, it's phenomenal. Like the idea of her, you know, oh, so this is a, because at a certain point, pretty early in the movie, we get the idea where like, she is smart, even though she doesn't have words yet. I can tell she's smart. And, but she doesn't have <laughs> any vocabulary. So you just get, it was making me like, almost like syntactically like think about like how we say sentences when you're watching right. this movie because you're like i guess we all are just kind of putting words together that we know yeah from moment to moment when we mm -hmm. talk it, it's and, it's and such a, doing not just, a, right now yeah like yeah, it's, it's, it's words, such a like, cool fucking idea certain motions or certain yeah. Once she starts to develop herself sexually, like the I, whole idea yeah, of exploring exactly. that. I, I, you know, the idea of sex in this movie has been something that I've been thinking about a lot because that is like pretty much an act of this movie is just like Her Emma Stone just, just like banging it out. Like I need to constantly be touching myself or having other people just like fucking diddle me like it just us fuck all yeah, the time we've all been and like we've all been 12 it's, that's yeah exactly. that's kind of the whole thing it's is her it's being the idea. like a teenager and that's something that i i feel like is going to 100 percent as this movie does get released to the masses like there's going to be some awful twitter takes of just like this is basically a child having sex out here oh, it's like i'm already ready for that kind of discourse it's going to come which is like shut the fuck up but like your goes is a pervert it's that idea of of taking this what is like we as humans evolved and i feel like in a lot of ways like her story isn't just like the individual human story but the story of the human race is we start in this from this point of just not being able to communicate with each other we start we're basically animals just groveling around on the ground together and then eventually we get the urge where we're just like something feels good i'm just gonna keep doing this until this doesn't feel good i'm just gonna fucking keep hitting this over and over again until it stops yeah. giving the same sensation and, and what, eventually well, you so, yearn for more you yearn for growth not just like well yeah. she goes from the physical to the to the intellectual mental. yeah that's that's, 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 what, I, the that's what i Michaels. that's what i learned from this movie is that some people have evidently have moved on from this <laughs> yeah like fucking checking their well shit. you were just doing that in the theater next to me the whole time time and i was, I was kind of you, like you haven't met gerard carmichael so you're I, not going to be opened up to listen that just yet. so gerard carmichael is one of the the low-key mvps of the movie i love that whole i think it's the third act of the movie the is cruise, like the boat. where i think that that's where the movie kind of levels up a bit from just becoming like a fun comedy with some great performances from Emma Stone to Mark Ruffalo to a point where it is trying to say something wider about society um I, yeah, it well, it says that be, in her evolution of interacting with him, where at first he he fascinates her, like she's very she's like, whoa, this guy is like, you know, he he looks down upon everything. Yeah, like at first she's like, we have sex now, and he's just like, no, honey. Yeah, and he's you know he's just generally <laughs> he's just generally like a hater. You know what I mean? Like he's just like, yeah, no, actually that's bad. Like he he feels that way about everything. And so in that way, he introduces the idea of judgment to her. But 
uh, you know, like a week later or whatever, she's smart enough to realize that that's actually like a defense mechanism in this guy. And he's actually just a hater for everything yeah. even when he shouldn't be. Right. And it, that it realizes she realizes that nihilism is not the way like yeah. this guy is just like you can sit here and just be cynical of everything that is happening around you. But like. Or you could try to do something to better yourself. And maybe that doesn't mean like, I'm going to take all of my money and just give it to the poor because that's not a smart yeah. thing to do with that's yourself. Anyways. And so the, I think the reason that this script is so cool to me, and I, I, I wish that I had found like a, a legit like shooting script copy of it, is because the fact that her vocabulary is limited and evolving means that she, like Emma Stone's uh, Bella is given the opportunity to distill these ideas of what she is feeling when she meets these people to like the purest possible sentence Yeah, of like cuts to the bone. Yeah. And it is, and it works every time, yeah. like because it's done well, yeah. it's done really smartly. It is so incisive. Like the, I, I'm, I was absolutely mind boggled by the idea of trying to tackle. Okay she only has so many words and I don't need that many words to get to the bottom of like why nihilism isn't that isn't the way to go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it's cool. Well, it's it, one of those it, things it operates it, in the context of a movie because you're compressing everything into this runtime. And so it makes sense for her to evolve faster for her mind to evolve faster because we're seeing it's like, the the experience that she's having is in tandem with our experience as the audience of watching this compressed thing of this two hour experience where you have to distill things to a single word or a single feeling because you only have so much time in a single scene to convey who these characters yeah. are. It, it is funny, though, because it's almost like, I, again, going back to that, like, maturing version, it's almost about, like, <laughs> reminds me of how, like, middle schoolers are, like, the meanest people that you will ever meet in your entire life that they will, like, point out. It's the John Mulaney bit about they'll point out, like, your deepest insecurities <laughs> with one sentence, and you're like, oh, my God, what? Like, yeah. she says something very early on the film uh, to Remy, and I don't have... I. I can't remember exactly what he says, but she essentially just like, you're too nice. You're too like soft, weak boy. And I want to go on a fun adventure with rough man. Like it's <laughs> like, that's essentially just what's said in Rami's just like, well, what, what? I'm just like a little boy over here. And yeah, like, he's so good in this. Rami's incredible. Yeah. Everyone, Rami. So everyone rocks. Rami Youssef of Rami, the yeah. show, uh, Rhett, he, he, he does a great job. This is, I would say his part, it's not, it's not his fault or anything, but his part is the part that could most like be given to a variety of different people because he's playing a pretty broad, uh, type. Uh, that said, he does a really good job with what he's given. Absolutely. Now, yeah, we need to talk about outside of like the arc of what Emma goes through the general vibe of the movie, because, it's um, bonkers because Willem Dafoe is playing. <laughs> it starts a, in black and white. Yeah, uh, with Willem Dafoe, and he's he's playing a sort of renowned, uh, you know, uh, inventor, invent well, surgeon, inventor who um, scientist man. Yeah, who uh, burps up like these like it's these very viscous, like bubbles it's very twin peaks the return episode eight <laughs> like that's where we the vibe is of the first part is like and just like burping up gas bubbles yeah it and the entire I, aesthetic was very lynchian and so if you know if you're listening and you haven't seen this movie i genuinely hope that like you're you stop right now because the half of the joy of this movie is having no idea where it's gonna go because like 
we are, yeah, we start in a world that feels fully developed by Yorgos. Like it, it feels whole, you know, it's this, it's self-contained. I thought the whole movie might just be self-contained in this fucking house. Yeah. It's a really lush. Inter- I mean, a lot of it is. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's a really lush, like interesting landscape inside the house. And then, you know, by act two, she's out of it. And I, and I was almost disappointed. I was like, I want to hang out with, with um willem and, R- and rammy more and every time we Doing cut back to them it's really fun but like i was in o- our girl market quality in there yeah but i i was you know i'm still i was over the moon with like where emma ends up with with ruffalo because a, another thing that's like a delight is when you're introduced to him you don't know how you know ruffalo is a guy who genuinely does sometimes come in for one or two scenes in a movie and it kind of feels like he should be only in like a scene or two of this yeah, movie. And then it's like, well, you can't get rid of this guy. Like you cannot he's, stop. He's this throwing heat, man. Fucking. So it's this best performance in Zodiac. Like, I, I, I think, think that it's, it's his best performance. Ever. I think it, I it's in it's, like my top three for him ever. So it's the, this is where the, the parallel, because the first part of the Barbie parallel is that like, she goes through this, you know, this sort of evolution of self-realization and like yeah. uh, about like the patriarchy and how she is oppressed. As and a he's woman. just Ken. He's Ken. <laughs> he, he all, he he's wants horny to, Ken. He wants to fuck her so bad. Yeah. This whole movie. And he is it for a while. ruins his life. He is for, he loses all yeah. his money. <laughs> he, so th- I, I really thought a lot about Ruffalo's performance after this movie. He's so good. He, I'm so happy yeah, he's in, back. in the same way that I thought about Gosling as Ken, because like uh, one of the triumphs of Barbie is Gosling gets like whole theater laughs a lot of the time. And that matters a lot in a movie like Barbie that's packing theaters. Yeah. I don't know so much about poor things. However, anytime that Ruffalo has the chance to say something in a really funny way that isn't just funny to like you know, people who are looking out for like persnickety funny things. It's just funny. He's so funny. It's so big. Yeah. Like, his, like he's in a broadly movie, funny. In a movie full of like big, broad performances, he is going for it in a way that's, it's just an absolute joy. Yeah, and it's going that, huge. Honestly, I didn't think Ruffalo had it. No, exactly. I was like, Mark, that's, what? That's something, Mark, yeah, Willem Dafoe is incredible gear. in this movie, but also it's Willem, Willem we Dafoe know. knows how to yeah, do this We know he can shit. do it. He's like, daddy. He knows what he's he's just like this is the steampunk version of the lighthouse like this is what i'm going for right now so but i did not know that rough had I, this in him. I i have ruffalo's imdb pulled up here so i just i just want to go through this just so we can we can see like his his arc the last like decade and a half okay so zodiac is 07 yeah then he pops up in blindness and brothers bloom in 2008 nice um he has a, a part in where the wild things are spike jones you 2009 you didn't, you didn't want to take a pause to talk about brothers bloom i know you're ryan, ryan johnson you're such ryan a johnson. johnson head um he's with uh our girl julianne moore and the kids are all right in 2010 um and then with leo in shutter island also 2010 i forgot that he's in shutter island uh oh. with duly appointed federal marshals no yeah uh and then cool. it comes in avengers 2012 yeah. um now you see me 2013 okay. um he has begin again also that year and then fox catcher 2014 avengers age of ultron fox catcher a movie that has no cultural resonance whatsoever <laughs> avengers age of ultron and spotlight yeah they knew in 2015 and that's an oscar nom for, for spotlight? spotlight i believe he gets the nom yes yeah i'm double checking um, right now then now you see me too 
in 2016 and then boom back to back Thor Ragnarok 2017 Avengers Infinity War 2018 Avengers Endgame 2019 unlimited money like stacks. Yeah, he yeah. can do whatever he wants. Generational. Um he was I mean he was already generational, but Dark Waters twenty nineteen. Hey, Todd Haynes Todd Haynes crew. Um and he's been he's been coasting since twenty nineteen. I mean, he pops into something called I Know This Much Is True, where he plays twins. That was a TV show. Um he does some voice work on Disney Plus for what if something called the Adam Project, which is a fake Netflix movie. <laughs> He pops into the She-Hulk series on Disney Plus, people have watched. and now finally it's like, all right, we're back with poor things. This is so it's it's it was a lot of just kind of like let me make my money for a little while, and it's like, all right, now I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a perfect reintroduction to Mark because it is funny him and RDJ both having this year exactly. Um, didn't they just do a roundtable? together vanity fair vanity fair one yeah i haven't listened to it yet but i mean it is incredible that both of them are like man look at us we made it while disney is like on fire right now (laughs) like "Ah, we cashed out brother (laughs) got out the table while it was hot he's he's so fucking awesome in this his his accent is all over the place (laughs) and and it doesn't the the transatlantic accents in this movie are kind of insane well and he's also it's british on top of (laughs) on top of like old fashioned he's a british character um not sure why uh but it works (laughs) and and he his accent isn't, you know, it, it doesn't stay steady throughout the movie. You know what? His character absolutely does. I think I almost took him in this movie, like, because it kind of disappears as the movie goes on. And I almost took it as like the way, you know, he's a fucking sleaze bag, like the moment that you see him, but he's like trying to be sophisticated. So he's such a dumb guy that he's just like, you know, what's smart. British accents. You have British accent that make you sound smarter. So he like tried to give himself a fake British accent and it just kind of goes away. As the movie goes on. <laughs> he, he's so fucking aw- like, I don't know. It's just, it's a role that you think is just going to go away. And then we're going to go back to this world in this house. And then the whole, it's, I'm, I'm telling you the half of the delight of this movie is the absolute surprise from moment to moment because it's scene to scene. Yeah. This movie's a treasure, man. Back to your, your Ken comp though. I think the laughs, just like Ryan Gosling in Barbie, like the micro expressions, like little little takes that he does. That's the same thing with Mark Ruffalo in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he'll just throw it's away a reaction, the stuff. Mm-hmm. and 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 it's just the the Yorgos will decide to just cut to him for a moment, and he'll do something, and it's the funniest thing you've ever yeah. seen. And and on top of that, he is used as a weapon to like punctuate every scene because he's funny. Like they gave him the line that ends the scene because he's just fucking killing. He's killing. And it's not, it's not outshining in any way, Emma, because she also, uh, by way of her sort of her extreme, you know, feeling, but her lack of vocabulary is generating a a zillion laughs over the course of the movie. Like she, you know what I mean? This is a, an unbelievably funny movie. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. But it also is like smart and poignant and yeah. like and it takes place in a fucking fantasy world. I think this and is one of the best movies is, I've ever seen in my that's life. That's what I'm saying. The, <laughs> the production, the production design is crazy. The VFX shots, some of the exteriors, I said after we watched it, 
don't even necessarily look quote unquote good. Like they don't look real when it, it zooms out and they're like on like a, you know, like a floating fucking ship practically. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It almost adds to it for me because like we're in such an, a non earth reality that like it, it sort of works that they're, they're existing in this like PS2, you know, yeah. world. like it, it all just makes sense. The lighting, the sky is so vastly different in every single scene. So you might be watching a scene and it's like pink. It's like a storybook shining down on everyone. It's, or it's orange or yeah. it's, or it's like black or blue. Like it's, it's just gorgeous. It's so cool to watch. They get, you know, they go to different cities. It almost has like a, a Dr. Seuss style simplicity yeah. yes. to the cities they go to. The like shapes. It, it's kind yeah. of, it's almost as like some Rube Goldberg shit going on. If you yeah. like look in the background, you're like, what am I yeah. looking or like at right for, Or like uh, there in particular, because the production design just across the board is crazy. In, in Defoe's house, it's out of this world. Another random example is when they're on the boat uh, in Ruffalo's room, like they took the time to make this unbelievable, like wood etching on the walls behind them. Luxurious. And it, yeah. And it's just one of those things uh, where like, if you look, you're going to find something awesome. But if you don't like, you don't, you know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a marking of like a great, great work. Um, Ruffalo said in that vanity fair video with, with RDJ that Yorgos had him wear like all kinds of padding like he had to wear like a corset to bring in his his uh, his, his figure <laughs> and uh like pads on his waist to bring out his his, <laughs> his booty his gat and then pads on his shoulders to bring out his frame and he was talking about how like Jorgos just had a very clear idea of how he wanted everyone to look on camera and then think about Emma like her hair is so long, you know, like yeah. I've never seen <laughs> hair that long. It's, it's almost goes all the ways down to her feet. Um, so it's not just the sets, right? It's he's also calibrating like the look of these people, of these costumes, these actors to exactly the what makeup is really interesting in this movie because a lot of the stuff is very washed out. But then also it will drastically change. And it is a lot of like almost like bad makeup, especially from Emma Stone's perspective as the movie is going on. And the but it, it fits. It fits in. with the world. Mm-hmm. It yes. all, no, it no, all no, makes 100%. sense. Yeah, I mean, even when you get to the end with the uh, in, in, in Paris with the the brothel, the brothel. Right. Yeah. Like all of that, it, that that whole section blew my mind because that's. That's where you really start to get some of the beauty of this story. Because mm-hmm. up until that point, I was thinking like, okay, this is really funny. This is really raunchy. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of laughs. It kind of turns the whole idea of what sex is and what like what womanhood is exactly. on its head a little bit. Well, it's it's this idea of her with just through her own experience. It's it's not even an outside influence realizing that it's not just about getting off. It's not just about fucking. It's about like building a connection. And so all of these clients that she has as a sex worker, she wants to connect with them. She wants to laugh with them. She wants to get to know them. And that's so much of what she values in, in her experience as a much more elevated intellectual being. And I think that's so beautiful for this movie to go to those places where it's not, it's not just satisfied with telling this story of 
Emma Stone baby, Emma Stone funny as baby, Emma Stone naked. You know, it's not satisfied with just like Does she the get baseline. Naked in this movie? <laughs> oh, oh, no. Um, it's not satisfied with just like the baseline uh, of this concept. It takes it up a notch and it, it, it goes further and it explores these much deeper ideas. And that's that's what puts it into that all timer five star mm-hmm. masterpiece for me is that it, it does all the things that you expected to do, you know, it, especially coming from Yorgos. But then it does more. I, I think yeah. this is Yorgo's best movie by a mile because it, it 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 does everything you expect him to do. It can it you know synthesizes all his talents and gives you something beautiful to look at. But then thematically, it just it sings, man. It's it's so resonant. So my the one thing with this movie, I think one one reason why I do need to rewatch this. I do. I mean. I'm 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 here with you guys, brother. I'm I'm here on Poor Things Island. Don't you get me wrong. It sounds like, I, sounds like he's not. But no, sounds I'm, like not, I'm not gonna throw a butt on there. Sounds like I you've got say, one leg on a the, on a boat <laughs> that's like waiting me away. To, um, no, the one thing is I will say it, is that I think for the most part this movie has incredible pacing. I think that's really, really, really well edited and well, uh, well written. Like. It knows when it is time to move to a new act. The Christopher Abbott stuff at the end didn't really work for me. I think that that was that was the only point in the movie where I've heard some criticism of this movie where a lot of people are like, oh, we get it. And I don't feel that way about most of the movie. Um, I think that kind of the 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 redundancy is very purposeful in a lot of it. Like we need to keep having keep learning the lessons over and over yeah. in some instances because that's what is the point it it does feel like it's just it keeps going yeah Yeah. i think that that is the only point whenever we get to the christopher abbott stuff was the only thing where i was like "Ah, did this really add anything it up yeah did this did this add this whole sequence add anything to this movie or could we have gotten out of here 20 minutes earlier and this been a little bit tighter i I think that's like i'm picking nits i would only pick nits in a movie like this because i love it and like because it's something that i i i do treasure and i think this is like Easily, easily one of the best movies of the year, one of the best movies of the 2020s. But I that is one thing that I was like, I, I don't really know if I, I love Christopher Abbott um, in general. I don't really know if I fully need his character. Like I kind of got the vibe that like she wasn't happy with her life and that's why she killed herself. I don't think I needed them to like rekindle that old flame and then us go back I, through the motion. I didn't see it as much as like, it, it definitely is. Aside from like having the cutaway joke of like he's now dog or <laughs> lamb goat, or goat, yeah, goat or yeah, something. Whatever yeah. he is. Yeah. I I didn't see that as much as you know, the literal like husband of her old self coming back. I saw that more as just he represents the final boss. And Bella is now in her final form and she has to go up against the the final stage of of her journey and and every single stage of that journey has had a significant uh male presence you know she starts out with Willem Dafoe then she goes to Rami then she goes to Ruffalo then she goes to Gerard like every then and then all the men in the brothel like there there is a significant male presence in every single stage of her journey 
And she has to face that final stage that is just like this very stock cut cardboard cutout of male shittiness. I think that, well, I think part of it, I mean, part of it is a little bit of that. I think, and this might be, again, going back to this as a piece of adapted literature and paying homage to the original story, blah, 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 whatever. But like, we have the whole reconnection with Rami. They're getting married. So then she walks out on the marriage to rejoin Christopher Abbott. But then she's only with Christopher Abbott for like, I don't know, like seven and a half minutes. And then that turns and then going back to Rami. So that was the whole thing where I was just like, all right, this, I feel like we could have done a better job here. Like it was, I, I mean, again, I'm picking nits on a movie that I otherwise truly love but like that is the one thing where i'm like i think that this could have been a little bit tighter i think we could have landed the plane a little bit smoother here in this third act it's one of those yeah i i just i don't know the right way to that you would pull the strings to make it better but i i agree that there there would there's probably a way but I like think that, well, i don't I think know that how. maybe it's maybe it's christopher abbott finds her like in the paris brothel and like that's how they were Kindle or something like that. Like I think that there is a way to make it tighter and maybe shave like 10 minutes off of this. It says the guy who has like a three and a half hour movie in his top movies of the year. But like I do think that there is like that's the only where I've seen a lot of criticism of this movie is in the pacing and is in the redundancy. And that's the only point in this movie where I felt that a bit is just at the very end. That's fair. It's just a lot of I think a lot of the the criticism that I've seen about redundancy in this movie is like i don't know are it's you like i already saw her nipples i don't need to see him again <sighs> it's just you it's just a matter of if you're, <laughs> if you're talking thematically is it's you gotta give that's that, the wrong one yeah i was like that's not it if you're talking about thematic redundancy it's like are you giving that same critique to fucking barbie because there's a whole well is an it, hour and a half of barbie i mean if, it, if, it's a, if it's a male writer you know they are they're too busy talking about like how Oppenheimer's good. Hey, there's no nude Barbies in Barbie. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> is that your problem? Is that you were just like white pasty abyss doesn't do anything for you? No. I need to see some banging. Yeah. Cock. That's why you. <laughs> Does Mark Ruffalo drop dog? When she says, I'm here to see the gynecologist, you cheered so loud. You're like, she has a vagina. <laughs> that got you so excited. I, I want to see the unrated version where we get to see Mark Ruffalo's big old schlong. The unrated version? <laughs> <laughs> That's this is the this is the most pornographic movie I've ever seen in a theater in my life. Yeah. And it might get nominated for How Best does Picture. how this got rated R is kind of wild. Like this is borderline uh, There's so much film. sex. In There's the a lot of sex. A lot a lot of nudity. That is why the fact that it's running in third for best picture is like kind of it's insane. It's like, well, we're between this or a nice Christmas movie with Paul Giamatti and for best picture. It's like, well, wait, what are we doing here? Like, I, you, what is this? I think the moral is for any of the filmmakers who listen to this, there are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. If you, your movie will not be rated X or seen as too pornographic. If you also include a lot of black and white fish eye shots, <laughs> That's it. That's all you gotta do. And or you just cast Emma Stone in it because she does a very good job at positioning her body in a way that doesn't alert. The Are we sensors. gonna have to have a pew pew award between uh, Florence pew pews and Emma Stone's pew pews? Oh, it's not even a contest. Listen, <laughs> pew pews getting washed. <laughs> hit hit the button. <laughs> 
Are you just like hitting all of them because you don't know? All right, that's poor things. That's a very effective little reset. We should copyright You know, Seth MacFarlane. We should copyright that. We should make that our thing. One one of the things during this episode that I downloaded because I want is the um transition music in Hannah Montana where it's like yeah yeah wow. We should. That's gonna that's gonna work really well. Yeah. Well, isn't there one in Drake and Josh? Yeah, I was going to say the Drake and Josh transition. Yeah. That's what we need. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'm going to do that now. That Can we do way. Hug Me, Brother? Actually, no, wait. Maybe we should not associate ourselves with Drake Bell. Uh, Drake Bell, who I saw at a uh, pumpkin patch in Orlando. For no, what? Yeah. You're just now dropping this? Oh, oh my God. I thought that I dropped that what knowledge the in the group chat. No, uh, I saw Drake Bell. and then I, I thought was he just was like, on the run. No, and I was just like, wait, should I go up and say anything? That, like ask for a picture or something? I was like, oh, wait, no. Isn't he like a pedophile? I don't know if he's a pedophile, but allegedly he's, he's on the run. He's he's an aphibophile if you want to be that guy who's yeah. like, oh, actually, if they've been through puberty, it's a different word. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but bros, bros into the underage it was definitely not. She definitely was not 18. I knew that much. Uh, and he was with a kid and like FaceTiming somebody. So I didn't want to bother him. But it was 100,000% Drake Bell. Wait, you said he was with a kid? Yeah. Like a, a little kid. Probably his child. Oh, God. Yeah. We need another reset. After All that right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to We Bought a Mic. Sorry, Drake Bell, if I just um, like doxed you. We um we recommend pretty much everything we talked about. Maestro May December, American Fiction. Um, let good us know movies. your thoughts. Movies are good this year. We are we're fucking this is, back. This is an incredible year. I like. I was just talking about it with a, a friend of the pod at a screener we were at, but it's just like, man, this is easily the best year since 2019. I know a lot of that's due to COVID and shit like that, but like, hey man, especially when you think about the movies that we could have had too. Dune two, like it. Maybe it's good that we don't have Dune two and Challengers and other shit happening right now because there might just be like too much happening. Right. Hey, like I said, it's it's Wong coming. Okay. Wonka is coming. You know, Ernie, if you do not wear a big old fucking top hat to the point where like people can't, they're and sitting behind tie. you, can't see the movie. <laughs> I'm going to be so pissed. Are off. you going to that screen? Yeah. If you wear a big top hat Three, and you want to come, you want to come to this, the Wonka. Come on. Ride the Wonka. Drive bad news for you. Uh, they go to London, which is a realm. Oh, no. oh yeah. you know what I was you know what I've been doing? I've been prepping the Wabami categories. I'm doing a best realms. Oh, okay. That's we have good. to do a best realm. Man, there's been a lot of good realms this year. Yeah. Barbie Land. Um Los Alamos Laboratory. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> 1940s America was was a good realm. Um, um <laughs> the reservation in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> uh Auschwitz that's a realm <laughs> yeah that movie actually takes place just outside of a realm yeah god it's great just so like that's right next to a drive realm. a perfect it's realm free like just barely but it is realm free there maybe I'll check it out like right on the horizon you can hear the screaming of the realm it's but it's maybe the most important realm free movie <laughs> ever made <laughs> all right thank you so much for listening to we bought a mic uh 
Please rate, review, subscribe, like, and comment. Let us know your thoughts. Check out webottomike.net and patreon.com slash webottomike. Shout out to all the Patreons, including RunP, runp.com, RunP app. Check it out. Let uh, the RunP people know when to go pee during all these movies mm-hmm. that we talked about if you see them in a theater. If not, you can always just pause it. Still check out the app just to know if you're pausing it at the right spot. You know, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Don't be like me watching uh, Oppenheimer and getting up to pee during what turns out to be like the best scene of the movie. Sometimes I don't pause things at home because I want to preserve that experience of the cinema. That's insane. <laughs> you go and like take That's a, a truly huge shit for like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're just... like, wait, what's happening? You're watching like a French movie and you can't understand what they're saying anyways. So uh join the discord um and stick around for the last couple episodes of the year um with one more hanks and one more cruise and then our big old listomania best of Mm -hmm. 2023 we're clearing out the paint we gotta do it every year best albums best tv shows best movies it's coming all right so stick around uh, we also got the killer deep dive discussion coming at you in a separate episode thanks for listening we love you bye bye